And welcome into the Most Accurate Podcast. I'm Anthony Stalter. Alongside me is John Paulson, 444.com's senior editor. Lots to get to today, John. Uh, but how are we doing today? Everything good? I'm doing pretty good. I'm not doing as well as you are because your Falcons won. And mm-hmm. I, as a Packer fan who's desperate for a playoff spot, I needed them to lose. You know, that would have been helpful. And they didn't. So I'm not doing as good as you are probably. Uh, yeah, I feel I feel really good. I got to admit, when Matt Ryan threw his third interception, I was ready to swear off the team and never watch football again because that, that tended to be a little frustrating. But I got to hand it to the defense. A year ago when they started to turn things around, it was, it was largely because, well, obviously the offense was re- record-setting, but the defense started to play really well, and I started to buy in. So after last night, watching what Deion Jones did was just incredible. And granted, they really benefited with Amar, uh, Alvin Kamara going down. I know we'll talk about that in a second, but – you know, I, th- I thought the defense really, really won that game for him. So it was kind of a, an emotional game from a fan standpoint. And the Falcons still don't pass the eye test. As a fan, I still admit that. But, hell, just win right now. That's that's yeah. where we're at. Yeah. Uh, we, again, we'll get into the Thursday night matchup. We also have injury updates. There's a lot of injury news to get to. And then, as always, on Friday, John will hand out some sneaky starts and we'll get to some defensive streaming options as well. John, tell us about the music first. Oh, yeah. This is an electronic track by uh, Bob Moses called Tearing Me Up. It's seven minutes and 50 seconds long. So be sure to track down uh, that that track. Uh, It's on Spotify. It's off of his 2015 album, Days Gone By. Uh, We put it on the Most Accurate Podcast playlist, the Most Accurate Podcast uh, playlist, Volume 2. You can find links to those uh, in any of the podcast posts on the 444.com website uh, or over on Spotify. It's a pretty good track. Let's dive into this Thursday night football matchup. It was really, from a fantasy perspective, it was downright awful, unless you had Michael Thomas. Julio Jones was okay. But as soon as Alvin Kamara got knocked out in the, on the first drive, that, that wound up – and I'm not making light of the injury. Obviously, I hope, I hope Kamara's okay. I'm not overlooking it, but we are a fantasy podcast. From that standpoint, boy, that, that ruined a lot of nights for fantasy owners that are playing in the playoffs – Drew Brees was okay. He had two touchdowns, but he threw the crucial pick. Matt Ryan was atrocious. He had three interceptions. Fourth quarter, really good, but outside of that, not good. Devontae Freeman, 91 yards and a touchdown. We talked about uh, Jones and Sanu. Sanu had a touchdown. So there were there were some performances that were great, but when the point total in Vegas was about 52-53, John, you, you expected more fireworks, and it was really more of a defensive battle. Yeah, and it, you could kind of tell it was going to happen when the first two drives, they kind of marched down the field and they both sputter in the in the red zone and only put up field goals. Uh, that really takes the wind out of the over. Uh, you, you know, you're expecting more touchdowns than this. Uh, but, you know, with, with Kamara, I, I tweeted that it was a real bummer that he he's off to a good, you know, a good game. And then somebody tweeted back at me. Oh, yeah, it's even it's even worse. He's dealing with a brain injury. And I'm like, you yeah, know, OK, like I get it. <laughs> right. I'm just talking about the fantasy implications yeah. of it. Football people, is a people, context. Yeah. People uh, sorry, John, just to cut you off. It just it I, I hate when people just avoid context of everything. Yeah, and Twitter's known for that. You say something and the people take it they they just jump to conclusions and they take it out of context. Uh mini rant over. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. So I was just like, okay, I was gonna respond, I decided not to, so whatever. Um for for his owners, you know, he's got a brain injury, he's dealing with it. The uh, concussions are common in football. It's a it's a problem that they're, they're attempting to address. Um, so, you know, I have no control over that, and neither do you. So, let's talk about 
his owners who were expecting him to have a huge game, which he was our number two ranked running back. He had, um, you know, 37 yards on the first drive. Um, they were feeding him the ball uh, regularly. Um, and then he gets uh, knocked out of the game. And um, it's unfortunate for his owners. But most of his owners, I'm guessing, have a bye in the first round of the playoffs. But not everybody. So uh, that that's going to put them at a disadvantage uh, heading into the, the rest of the weekend. Um, so for the Saints, once he was out of the game, I was expecting Mark Ingram to really have a great game and he had a pretty good game, but it wasn't even really even up to his own standards this season, even with the extra touches. I mean, 16 touches, um, that wasn't any more than what he typically averages. So it was just one of those games where he, you know, they, the, the saints only ran the ball 15 times. Um, and they've been running the ball a lot more than that this year. Uh, Michael Thomas, I had him rank seventh. I was a little bit higher than average on him and, you know, I liked the matchup. Uh, and then he, he also tends to play better on the road than he does at home. At least he produces more on the road. And uh, he ended up with a nice game with 14 targets, just dominating targets. It really isn't anyone else. Um, I mean, Ted Ginn uh, should have had a better game than this, but he had two targets. Uh, Willie Sneed's season never got started. Uh, we were talking about him as a sleeper, and then he had that uh, suspension at the start of the year. Uh, Brandon Coleman uh, kind of took his spot, and just Sneed's never been able to recover. Uh, so the Saints were pretty disappointing. I would say Brees had a pretty good game, except for that interception, 271 and two. And then on the Atlanta side of the ball, uh, you know, we were talking before the pod started about Tevin Coleman and lack of usage, especially in the passing game. They didn't really use their running backs in, as receivers at all. And the Saints are one of the, uh, I believe they're one of the worst in uh, allowing yardage to receivers, uh, run, uh, receiving running backs. Um, so, that was maybe an opportunity missed there, but they, they ended up getting the win. Uh, Freeman had his typical workload. Coleman, nine carries for 32 yards. Matt Ryan, you know, I, I missed half the game going to my son's bas- uh, uh, soccer practice. And, you know, Matt Ryan, I was ex- was expecting much more from him than 221 yards and a touchdown. The, the, the Saints defense has improved, but when you go back and look at the yardage that they gave up to competent quarterbacks, they played a lot of incompetent quarterbacks. Um, and they've given up, you know, 280 to 300 plus to competent passers. And I thought Ryan would fit that bill, but he ended up with the three picks and a disappointing, a disappointing day. Yeah, a, a couple, a couple of things here, and, th- and this might be only half fantasy related, but you know, you just you just said that about what you did with Matt Ryan. You know, at one point during that game, I I know the Saints, the two young corners that they have are outstanding, especially compared to what they had in years past. But Mohamed mm-hmm. Sanu is six six two and two ten. He's a physical guy. Julio Jones is 6'3", 220. Physical guy. And and I, I I was surprised that the Falcons almost kind of got cute with those those rookie corners. I mean, this is in your house, divisional game in December. you got these two big wide receivers, and I feel like the, the Falcons still underwhelm in the passing game. The other aspect, and you touched upon this a little bit, Tevin Coleman, nine carries, 32, 32 yards. This was the second game in a row where Tevin Coleman wasn't targeted in the passing game. Why? What's with throwing the ball to Austin Hooper four times? Austin Hooper is an okay tight end. He's a former third-round pick out of Stanford. He's not physical. He doesn't He doesn't win contested passes. There was a game against Miami where the Falcons were knocking on the door, potentially either tying or winning that game. He had a ball go off his hands into the rece- into the DB's hands for uh, interception game over. Last night, he had the ball go off his hands right to a defender, 
set up the Saints touchdown early in the second quarter. Why why not use Tevin Coleman more like you did a year ago? Line him up in the slot. Use him like you do Alvin Kamara. He's not Alvin Kamara, but he certainly has the athletic ability and the versatility to use him more in the passing game. Or use Taylor Gabriel more. One target, one catch. I just I don't get it. That the insistence on using Austin Hooper over some of these other more athletic, talented receivers or running backs, it, it really it's mind-boggling to me, John. Yeah, and Coleman's explosive. I mean, he had a nice run there where he was the uh, the starter. Uh, the, he did have a he did have three catches last week, but the previous week you were right. He oh, didn't get sorry. even get tar- yes. yeah against the Bucks. He didn't even get targeted. So two out of the last three weeks, you don't even target uh, Tevin Coleman in the passing game, and he's really one of your more explosive playmakers, especially since you're dealing with uh, Julio Jones, uh, Mohamed Sanu as your top two receivers, and you don't have a whole lot after that. I mean, uh, they're just not using Taylor Gabriel like they did last year. Um, and you know, those are, you know, Coleman, Gabriel, these are players that can make uh, big plays for you and they're just not using them. No, not at all. Uh, all right. Well, and thank you for picking me up on that. The Coleman. Sure. No problem. Sure. Uh, let's talk a little bit about Matthew Stafford. We'll get into the injury updates now for week 14. This is a, a pivotal week for fantasy owners. A lot of leagues, the majority of the leagues are starting their playoffs. There is a slew of injuries we need to get to. So let's start off with Stafford. Lions coach, Jim Caldwell said that his quarterback is progressing well and we'll see if he's able to play Week 14 against the Buccaneers. Stafford has been slowly ramping it up this week in practice. He is dealing with a hand injury. Where do you have Stafford ranked right now? What's your comfort level on him not only playing, but him being a competent fantasy owner or fantasy starter? Well, he's 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 in my top 10, and I think he's probably going to play. I mean, the, the matchup is very nice against the Bucs. They're, they're, they're not great against the pass, um, and Stafford's been – pretty great all year uh so you know i think he's he's ramped he ramped up his activity i mean the wednesday wasn't he was limited i think i think this yesterday he did more um and uh tim 20 man uh, who's the lions detroitlions.com writer said that he was spinning it pretty well so it looked like he was um you know he's trending the right direction and i think jim call was trying to be a little bit coy with uh the, whether or not he's, a, he's going to be available, but we'll see what he does today. And um, the nice thing about this is that it's a 10 a.m. game. Uh, owners should maybe be ready to pivot if they need to, if, he's, if for some reason he's active. But I can't imagine. I mean, they're six to six and need the win. And if he's throwing the ball in practice on, uh, you know, on Thursday pretty heavily, then I think he's going to end up trying to, to get it out and play. Tyrod Taylor. Since we're talking about quarterbacks, Tyrod. Uh, he's he's going to be a, a game-time decision. He's dealing with a knee injury. You saw him carted off the field last week. I don't expect to, to see Tyrod Taylor play on Sunday against the Colts. Do you? Uh, I'm assuming that he's not going to start. I mean, he might be uh, a backup, but I would, I would think they would rather not use him given the knee injury, and they don't want to cause any more damage to that. And, um, I, you know, they're still technically alive for a playoff spot I think but um we'll we'll have to see what he does today again and and over the course of the weekend we'll figure out what uh you know his chances of of playing um Taylor if he plays he's always a good a good streaming option I mean he's he adds adds the game adds to the uh points in the running game but you wonder how uh, mobile he'll be uh with with a knee injury if he's gonna be willing to take off and run with uh with a gimpy knee Doug Martin has officially cleared the league's cushion con- uh, protocol. So anybody that picked up part, Peyton, uh, Peyton Marber, 
Peyton Barber this week, John, on our recommendation on Monday, you know, they might be thinking to themselves, all right, well, can, can I still use Peyton Barber? We don't know right now what Martin's role is going to be. I wouldn't be surprised with the way Peyton Barber ran last week that he doesn't draw the majority of the touches. Well, I can't imagine that they would go back to Doug Martin um, with the way that Bar- Barber played last week. I mean, he was outstanding against the Packers, and the Packers are pretty good against the run. I mean, they're a lot better against the run than they are, they are the pass, and Barber just kind of took it to him. I mean, he had 23 carries for 102 yards, 4.43 yards per carry. Uh, he also added uh, four catches for 41 yards on four targets, so he just really played like, almost a perfect game. Uh, as 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 the running, primary running back, they they brought him in and against New Orleans and gave him eleven carries. That was a few weeks ago. Um, and if you look at what Martin's done this year, it's not real pretty. I mean, he's averaging three point one six yards per carry. He hasn't had a, like a really good game. I mean, I guess he had his best game was well, he was on his way to, to probably his best game against the Falcons. He had seven carries for thirty three yards in week in week twelve. Um, you know, his he played pretty well against the, the Patriots. Uh, his in week five and his first game back for suspension, but everything else has been sub four yards per carry, some sub three, some sub one yards per carry. So just some really ugly football from from Doug Martin. And I, you know, I, I can't imagine that they would go back to Martin um, after Barber really gave them an opportunity to win this game, uh, acting as the as the workhorse running back. So I, I'm going to have uh, Barber ranked as like a low end RB two, but there's a little bit more risk there uh, now than there was uh, without Martin being active. Uh, breaking news to our podcast, Joe Mixon, as expected, is now out for Week 14 against the Bears. This was to be expected. He had the concussion against the Steelers on Monday. It was unlikely that he was going to get cleared to play, and it is official now, John. Joe Mixon is out. Do you like Gio Bernard as a RB2? I do, and uh, it's it's a volume play. Uh, the, the Bears are have been decent uh, or pretty good against the run actually and uh, they're not from a, uh, just a fancy points allowed standpoint they're not uh, uh, a great matchup for Bernard but this is a volume play I mean Bernard should see 15 to 20 touches easy in this one and people have to remember that you know he's been you know discarded fantasy wise because of Mixon's emergence but you know in, in standard formats the last uh, not not counting 2016 but 2013 14 15 he was 16th 18th and 22nd in standard fantasy points by the end of the year. And then in PPR formats, he was 13th as a rookie, 16th and 17th in 24 and 2015. And that was splitting time with Jeremy Hill. So, you know, this is really shaping up to be a, a good spot for him, even though uh, maybe it's not a great matchup against the Bears. The, the, the Bengals should be able to score points. And I think Bernard's going to be very involved in this one. Adrian Peterson look like looks like he's going to be out too. He's dealing with a neck injury. He's unlikely to play, according to ESPN's Justina Anderson. Kerwin Williams was really good last week. Do you like him as a RB three or flex play against the Tennessee Titans? Yeah, he's got the uh, uh, the rib injury, but he's been he played through it last week and uh, has been practicing. Uh, he had 16 carries for 97 yards against the Rams. The Rams' rush defense has struggled all year, uh, but. That's still a pretty good performance, uh, and the workload is is pretty telling. They they face the Titans, who are you know a neutral matchup, fifteenth in adjusted fantasy points allowed to running back. So uh, I think you can expect another twelve to sixteen carries for him, and uh, he just is not involved in the passing game at all. They've got DJ Foster that they're using uh, in that role, so he's a risky 
he has a low floor for that reason. So if he has trouble running the ball and might go 16 for 32, you may, you're not going to get anything in the passing game. Amir Abdullah has a neck injury as well. He remained limited in yesterday's practice. We don't know about his status for Friday today because we're recording on Friday. It looks like he, he could return this week. Um, so talk to us a little bit about Amir Abdullah, but also Tion Green, who we, who we discussed on Monday. Yeah, Green would be a uh, sneaky start if um, Abdullah can't play. I mean, the, the matchup against the Buccaneers is favorable. They're 24th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to, to running backs. We saw Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones, uh, you know, run the wall really well against against the Bucs. So um, if Abdullah sits, then Tian Green and Theo Riddick are both, you know, startable. Uh, Riddick probably sees a few more carries than he would normally if Abdullah sits. Um, but if Abdullah plays and he's okay to go, then you, got, you kind of look at him as going back to his usual workload, which is um, – you know, pretty significant. He's averaging 13.6 uh, carries per game and, um, you know, mostly 11 to, I'm looking at his game log right now, 11 to 16 range. Uh, they haven't been able to run the ball very well. He's 3.37 yards per carry. Uh, but this is a this is a nice matchup against the Bucks. Uh, Robbie Anderson owners are in a tough spot. I happen to be one of them. I, I have enough depth at wide receiver. Where I'm just flat, flat out going to bench him. But what's your recommendation with Robbie Anderson? He's considered questionable for week 14. He aggravated his hamstring injury on Thursday. With with these soft tissue injuries, John, I just I don't I don't trust the player. At, at any point, Robbie Anderson, even if he does start and he plays, he could wind up re-injuring that hamstring, and then he could be left with a goose egg. Yeah, and this is also a late game. It's a one o'clock game, so owners who are waiting on him need to uh, have a plan in place if he's not able to play. And you know the matchup is pretty awful against the keep to leave and, and the Broncos' pass defense. Uh, you know, from a justice fantasy uh, points allowed standpoint, they're not as elite as they were. But you know, you don't like this matchup with Tlaib. Uh, you can't trust anybody to to plug in for him. I mean, I guess you could put in Jermaine Curse. Uh, thinking that he's going to get a ton of uh, targets. But, you know, I, I look at it like if Anderson's not there, then the, the entire secondary can focus on Curse and Austin Safarian, Austin Safarian Jenkins because there really aren't any other pass uh, proven pass catchers in that in that offense. So this is one of those where, you know, Anderson's so hot that if he were fully healthy, I would have him ranked as a, a wide receiver two, a low-end wide receiver two. But uh, with this injury, um, you have to move him down, uh, you know, and, and keep an eye out for his status today. And then also uh, the reports from Ian Rappaport and Adam Schefter, those types of guys, because they'll, they'll report on whether or not he's expected to play on Sunday. Will Fuller expects to play. Speaking of expecting to play, expects to return to the, against the 49ers. Bill O'Brien said it looks good for Will to be able to play. Fuller's missed the uh, last, what, couple of games now, but he's got seven touchdowns in six games this season after missing the past three weeks. Do you feel confident with Will, Will Fuller playing and uh, you like him to start as a starter? I mean. uh, no, not confident. He's, he's set out so much uh, that it's a little bit dicey and, you know, he's got the new quarterback that he's dealing with. Uh, Tom Savage started to play in week nine. Uh, and in those two games that, I mean, Fuller only played like a game and a half with him, but Against Indianapolis, he had two catches for 32 yards on eight targets. So I would not call that efficient. And then week 10, he played about half the snaps, 47%. He had two catches for 15 yards against the Rams on three targets. So 
to expect him to come out. I mean, he when he got injured or when Savage, actually when Deshaun Watson got injured, I mean, Fuller was like the hottest receiver in the league. I mean, he had two touchdowns in three of his four games with Watson. Um, his last one against the Seahawks, five for 125 and two on eight targets in week eight. Uh, so he was smoking hot. And then Savage comes in and now we're down like 32 yards, 15 yards. So I would not expect him to sort of regain his form or even get to his averages or even his career averages with Tom Savage under center. We're kind of a good news, bad news situation now with Richard Matthews. He was upgraded to full in terms of uh, practicing on Thursday with that hamstring injury. So it looks like barring a setback, he's he's going to play after missing the last two games. The problem, John, is that he's facing Patrick Peterson. So where do you have Matthews ranked? The thing that people need to keep an eye on is Peterson's status as well because he was uh, a, a DNP yesterday. Uh, and, you know, if he can't play – then it's a big upgrade for for Matthews because I think I think he'll shadow Matthews. Um, so we need to see what he's going to do on Friday. Uh, if he's limited or is out, then uh, then it looks like he's probably not going to play, and they'll probably list him as you know if he's limited, they'll probably list him as questionable. If he's out, they might just roll him out. Uh, it's again, it's a one o'clock game, but this is going to drastically change Matthews's ranking. Uh, Peterson's shadowed this year. Um, several times and it's not pretty the only player that really even broke 60 yards or had a touchdown was DeAndre Hopkins he had three for 65 and a touchdown otherwise everybody's been under 60 yards no touchdowns most of them under 20 or 30 yards I mean we're talking about T.Y. Hilton 16 yards Pierre Garçon 16 yards uh Alshon Jeffrey 26 yards uh Sammy Watkins 13 yards uh, when when shadowed by uh Peterson so uh, his coverage is kind of a death nail to a receiver value. So this is, uh, I'm very interested to see in terms of my ranking uh, where Peterson is health-wise uh, heading into the weekend because that's going to really impact uh, Richard Matthews. Amari Cooper, it sounds like, uh, won't play. ESPN's Dan Graziano reports that Cooper, who's dealing with the ankle injury, not expected to play against the Chiefs. Talk about Michael Crabtree, Cordero Patterson, Seth Roberts. What do you expect from these guys when they face a Marcus Peters-less uh, Chiefs defense on Sunday. Yeah, I was just going to confirm that Peters, I, I thought I saw that he was suspended yeah. uh, for one game, so it'll be without him. Uh, I think Patterson ends up playing a lot with Roberts in the slot and then Crabtree uh, playing mostly on the left side, but they move, all move around. The you know Roberts stays in the slot for the most part, but the other receivers tend to move around, flip sides and all that. This is a great matchup. So you end up with, if Cooper can't play, you end up with Crabtree being a top 12 or 13 type ranked player. He's going to come off of the suspension, you know, with something to prove, I think. And then Patterson, who had a great game last week, 90-something yards um, last week, which when we kind of thought that maybe Seth Roberts was the more, was the safer play because, you know, Patterson, we've gotten excited about him in the past so many times and we just end up getting disappointed. But, he ended up with uh, four catches for 97 yards on four targets, played 52% of the snaps. Uh, Johnny Holton could also uh, – he ended up playing 79% of the snaps last week, three for 39 and a touchdown on seven targets. So they might end up starting Holton, Crabtree, and, and, and uh, Roberts with, with Patterson rotating in uh, with Holton and, um, and uh, Crabtree probably on the outside or maybe playing 
uh, a little bit of slot uh, for Seth Roberts. Uh, Roberts was kind of a disappointment. I mean, he had six targets, five for 46, which is serviceable. And in PPR formats, 9.6 points. But, you know, he has a tendency to catch touchdown passes and uh, get targeted in the red zone. He didn't, uh, you know, he didn't catch one last week. He's only got one on the year. So he's kind of regressing to the to the mean, I guess. I want to ask you about three tight ends before we get to some sneaky starts. Zach Ertz, who had that concussion last Sunday night against the Seahawks, he was officially limited in Thursday's practice. The Eagles actually tweeted out that Ertz had cleared the, con- the league's cushion- concussion protocol. Then they kind of backtracked a few hours later. Do you expect Ertz to face the Rams? So he's not. has he not connected, uh, cleared the protocol? Or we don't know, huh? Well, yeah, the, the, like, like I said, the Eagles, later, yeah. Yeah, the Eagles had, had stated that he had cleared it, and then they, they were kind of backtracking. It sounds like he's he's going to be cleared and he'll play on Sunday, but in terms of this this podcast, as far as what we know, it's still up in the air a little bit. Yeah, and the nice thing is here is that uh, we should know well before Sunday whether or not he's going to play or not. It's not like a, a concussion is never almost never a game-time decision. Uh, so he either gets cleared before Sunday or he doesn't. If he's cleared, you can start him as usual. Uh, if he, if he, if he is not, or if you're worried about it, it's a late game, 1:25 PM. Uh, Trey Burton is a great, uh, plan B there. Uh, he t- tends to step in. He had a touchdown, 40 something yards, almost had a second touchdown. The one game that Ertz missed. And then last week he got targeted heavily when Ertz went out of that game against Seattle. Uh, so Burton is the move tight end there when, when uh, Ertz goes out and uh, he's a good plan B if, if you're worried about uh, Ertz and we should, like I said, we should probably know by Saturday or today whether or not he's fully cleared and and is ready for Sunday. Greg Olson, he's practicing this week. He should play this Sunday against Minnesota, but there's two things going on here. One, Minnesota's defense is incredible. One of the best in the league. And two, Greg Olson did suffer, um, you know, some soreness in that foot a couple of weeks ago do you think he's too big of a risk to start this this Sunday against Minnesota? Tough matchup, and with fantasy playoffs on the line, it is a tough matchup. Uh, the, the Vikings are fourth in adjusted fantasy points allowed uh, to tight ends. Uh, the things that he has going for him is that he should, if he's able to play his full complement of snaps, he should see lots of targets because the the Panthers are hurting at receiver. Devin Funches is David, uh, has to deal with Xavier Rhodes, uh, so that could be a shutdown situation where he's just not open. Uh, and then Cam Newton's looking elsewhere for production, and it might be it might be uh, Olsen. You know, tight ends tend to score more touchdowns at home than they do on the road, and it's a home game for them. So there is some, you know, if you're dealing here with with streaming options, and you're you know Tyler Croft or Eric Ebron, Ben Watson, or your other options, you know, Olsen has the by far the most talent as the best player of of this group. It's just it's just a bad matchup, and you don't know how long that foot's going to hold up, but. This is a high vol- highly volatile position, tight ends. Uh, they tend to, you know, they could go anywhere from zero to 16 pretty quick. Uh, so, uh, but, you know, there's some things that are good with Olsen and there's some some downsides too. And a lot of it has to do with that Vikings defense. Delaney Walker, last injury update, and then we'll move on to some sneaky starts. He remains sidelined at Thursday's practice. His, avail- his availability is completely up in the air. What can Delaney Walker owners do? Yeah, this is another guy uh, where we're heading into a late game. Um, hopefully we know today. Uh, it's a 1 o'clock game. Janu Smith, I think, would be a decent pivot. Uh, you could also have Trey Burton. Well, no, you can't really count on Trey Burton if you're if, if Ertz look, is looking good. So 
uh, you have to find another tight end that plays late or plays uh, Sunday night or or Monday night. Julius Thomas, maybe uh, Dwayne Allen uh, with Rob Gronkowski suspended. Thanks a lot, Rob Gronkowski, for getting suspended week fourteen. <laughs> um, you know Jesse James, uh, Mercedes Lewis. These are your these are kind of your options <laughs> at uh, at tight end in some of these later games. Uh, Ricky Seals Jones. We'll talk about a little bit later, uh, but. You know the direct replacement is Johnu Smith, and if he if he uh, or if Walker is out, then Smith suddenly is going to play seventy eighty percent of the snaps and is a decent start uh, in that situation. I mean, Walker is somebody you want to wait on if he can play. He's been on fire, and it's not a bad matchup against the the Cardinals this week. Some sneaky starts. Let's start off with the legend of Jimmy G. Jimmy Garoppolo completed twenty six of thirty seven passes for two hundred ninety three yards and uh, did toss an interception, but. He led the 49ers on that long drive, the long game-winning drive last week, and, and you like him in a matchup against Houston. Yeah, the, the, the Texans, I think, are 30th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to, uh, to quarterbacks, so they've been, a, they've been a good matchup pretty much all year. Uh, I've got him at uh, ranked 19th, so it's not like it's a great, super awesome play, but uh, I know – a lot of owners right now are still streaming uh, due to the Aaron Rodgers injury. Um, still trying to, to find some decent matchups. And this is a good matchup indoors. You don't have to worry about weather. Uh, the, the 49ers don't have a ton of weapons, but uh, Marquise Goodwin's been playing pretty well. we'll talk about him in a bit. Uh, and, and Jimmy G, look, I mean, 293 yards against the Bears is not bad. Uh, Brett Hundley and Deshaun Kaiser, they're both, they're both playing each other this Sunday, and you like both as potential streaming options. Yeah, these are uh, low floor, high ceiling type plays. I mean, Kaiser could get yanked and, uh, you know, throws a couple picks in the first quarter and get yanked uh, and end up with negative points. Or he could end up scoring 30 by rushing for a couple touchdowns and throwing for a couple more. He's got Josh Gordon to throw to now. Uh, the Packers are not good against the the pass. The 31st in just a fantasy points allowed to quarterbacks. Uh, the Browns are 22nd in that, in that metric. So Hundley has some upside as well. They both can run the ball. They both can score touchdowns with their feet. Um, and these are forgiving secondaries. So uh, while both players have low floors, I think they also have pretty high ceilings, and if you need to win a game this week, they're they're not bad starts. How about Andre Ellington? This is kind of an interesting move here because you have Lamar um, uh, Miller there in Houston. However, Ellington caught five of six targets last week for 56 yards. He was kind of forced to play a lot of receiver with both Bruce Ellington and ba- and Braxton Miller going down. With Will Fuller coming back, do you still like Ellington in PPR formats? Yeah, because I think uh, Ellington will play some slot for them. Uh, he has some experience doing that. Uh, he was on the field, I think, 50% plus last week. Lamar Miller was on the field 80% plus, so they had to be on the field together. Uh, quite a bit. I don't have all the route data uh, in front of me in terms of what Ellington did, but he's very capable of of plugging in as, as a slot receiver there for them. Will Fuller obviously plays on the outside. And then the other note here is that Alfred Blue is out with a concussion. So Ellington probably will serve as the primary backup running back for Miller as well. Uh, and, and this is a good matchup. This is a great matchup against the 49ers. 31st in just a fantasy points allowed to running backs. So, you know, if you assume Miller is healthy, he probably has a big day and Ellington gets maybe 10, 12 touches in a, in a favorable matchup. But then there's also the possibility that uh, Miller, you know, is, has an in-game injury and now Ellington is, is launched into an RB1 role uh, as well. So there's when, when we're talking about sneaky starts, I, I sort of look for these guys who are backups in great matchups um, because they end up getting ranked in the 30s or so and, could end up having a top 15, top 20 day if, if things break their way. 
makes sense that you're going back to the Marquise Goodwin well. He had eight catches on eight targets for 99 yards in the 49ers Week 13 win over the Bears. Another pretty decent matchup against Houston. Yeah, he's got 68-plus yards in four straight games. Um, it's nice to see the heavy targeted uh, the heavy targets with the Jimmy Garoppolo in there. Uh, two for 68, one for 81, or one for 83 and a touchdown. Uh, four for 78 and eight for 99 in his last four games. So he's uh, you know sort of the primary target now in that passing game, and he's got a great matchup against the Texans, who are 28th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to receivers. Martavis Bryant back in there again. He's going to be a, a starter with Juju Smith-Schuster suspended for the one game, and you list him among your sneaky starts as well. Yeah, it's not a great matchup against the uh, against the Ravens, but uh, you know they're without Jimmy Smith now, so that takes a that takes it's a big hit for that Ravens secondary. They're going to be focused a lot on Antonio Brown and Martavis Bryant will be in single coverage on you know Brandon Carr or Marlon Humphrey, you know, a few times, and you know Big Ben's going to take his shots. It's a home game where Big Ben tends to play better. Uh, the last time that Juju Smith Schuster was out. Uh, Bryant uh, caught four passes for 40, uh, for 40 yards and a touchdown on six targets. That was against the Packers. He had another six targets last week against Cincinnati. He only caught four for 40, but um, you know, this is a, this is a game where he's going to, they're going to need him. Uh, he played 78% of the snaps against the Packers. So I'm expecting 75% plus of the snaps and run a lot of routes uh, and should be heavily involved in this offense. Uh, you also speaking of that same matchup, you also list Mike Wallace. He caught five of eight targets for 116 yards in last Sunday's win over the Lions, and it looks like he has surpassed Jeremy Macklin as the Ravens' lead receiver. Yeah, Macklin's dealing with uh, an injury, too. I think it's a back injury. Uh, Wallace, you know, playing against his old team uh, in Pittsburgh, highly motivated. We like we like uh, motivated Mike Wallace more than unmotivated Mike Wallace uh, <laughs> here at 4 for 4 uh, but Wallace is kind of hot. So week nine against Tennessee, four for 19 and a touchdown on seven targets. Uh, Packers, four for 56 and a touchdown on four targets. Uh, Houston, five for 48 and 11 targets. And uh, Detroit, uh, five for 116 on eight targets. So even in the games where he didn't do much, five for 48, he had the 11 targets. Uh, or if he only had 19 yards, he got the touchdown. He had seven targets. So four usable um, fantasy lines in his last four games. And then you look at Pittsburgh week four, uh, six for 55 and a touchdown on 10 targets in that game. Uh, so another good fantasy line for, for him. Uh, I definitely like him more than Macklin, and he's in, ranked in the low uh, low 30s there with guys like Kenny Stills, Martavis Bryant, Deshaun Jackson, Nelson Aguilar, those types of guys. Steven Anderson, I'm going to definitely take your recommendation here and have Steven Anderson in at least one of my DFS leagues this week with C.J. Fedorowicz headed back to injured reserve with a concussion. Steven Anderson's a really uh, athletic tight end out of Cal, and he's coming off a nice game. This is a stemming from the same injuries, Bruce Ellington, uh, Braxton Miller, that we were talking about earlier. Uh, he came in uh, week 13, had 12 targets, caught five uh, for 79 and a touchdown with C.J. Fedorowicz knocked. Uh, I stop saying knocked out with a concussion. He was uh, unable to play the rest of the game with a concussion, and he's done for the year. Uh, so you know Anderson's really more of a uh, like glorified wide receiver. I mean, you look at his uh, measurables; he's very athletic. So he's definitely the the receiving type tight end. And with the twelve targets last week, it's obvious that Tom Savage is willing to uh, throw him the ball eighty four percent of the snaps. Uh, so I, yeah, I think you know after your top ten or twelve so or so tight ends that are maybe a little bit more proven, 
Uh, he's a, he's a pretty good play. And with Will Fuller coming back, it might change things. Uh, if if Savage decides to throw the ball to to, to Fuller eight to ten times, that's going to take a uh, take some wind out of Anderson's uh, sneaky start uh, sales. But uh, I think he's a nice play for those uh, trying to stream the position. I don't know if he's to the Jared Cook level, but I feel like we're talking about Ricky Seals Jones a lot more in this podcast. <laughs> and you like the rookie again this this Sunday? Yeah, we got. You know, we got another guy with a hyphenated name. So we got Austin <laughs> Safarian Jenkins. We got Ricky Seals Jones. Uh, he uh, has been hot. Uh, five targets in week 11, six targets week 12, five targets again last week, week 13. Uh, three for 54 and two touchdowns against Houston, four for 72 and a touchdown against Jacksonville. And then last week was his worst game uh, of the last three with two for 44. Uh, but he still saw five targets. Uh, he's only playing 20, 13% of snaps to 23% of snaps the last two weeks. Usage is not going to be heavy, but it really looks like, you know, when you're playing 23% of snaps and you're getting six targets or five targets, your, your quarterback's looking for you. Uh, and so it looks like he's got a pretty good rapport with Blaine Gabbert. And this is not a bad matchup at all against the Titans. They're 22nd and just a fancy points allowed to tight ends. Uh, so definitely the best matchup uh, against tight ends since – week 11 when he caught two touchdowns. And then as we do to wrap up, uh, as we normally do, as we wrap up on Friday's podcast with some defensive defensive options, if you're streaming, if you're somebody that streams defenses a lot, I do this a fair amount, and I, I really appreciate the list that you put together here, John. So go ahead. Who are your defensive streaming options for week 14? Yeah, I think at this point in the season, I'm typically looking for uh, defenses that are facing very bad quarterbacks or bad quarterbacks, uh, preferably at home. But I've got a bunch of road ones, road games here, just the way that the schedule worked out. But uh, the Packers at Cleveland with Deshaun Kaiser takes a lot of sacks, throws a lot of interceptions. Uh, the Packers do, even though they're not the greatest defense in the world, they do tend to turn the ball over and uh, defensively and you know score re- uh, return touchdowns. We saw one last week against the, the Buccaneers. Uh, Buffalo, both both defenses in this Buffalo-Indianapolis game, but I prefer Buffalo at home uh, against Jacoby Brissett. That's a pretty good matchup. Uh, Indianapolis, you could also run out there if they have Nathan Peterman starting uh, the Bills. And then the Jets at Denver, Trevor Simeon's really struggling. Uh, the Jets are not a great fantasy defense, but this is a pretty good matchup. And then Tennessee at uh, Arizona with Blaine Gabbert starting. This is a pretty good pretty good spot for the for the Titans as well. John, excellent stuff as always. You can follow him on Twitter at 444 underscore John. You can follow me as well at Anthony Stalter. We appreciate everybody listening to the podcast. Got a really nice response this week uh, on Twitter, and we, we do appreciate you listening each and every week as we do Monday and Friday podcasts for 444.com. And we wish you the best of luck this week as fantasy playoffs start. Um, and on Monday, we'll, we'll be back and we'll kind of break down the action from week 14. And hopefully you're still listening because you you made it through uh, your first round of the playoffs. So good luck again. We'll see you on Monday for the next edition of 44.com's The Most Accurate Podcast. 